All right, so this week on the home podcast, <laughs> um, I start the podcast usually with talking about what the Lord's been speaking to me in the week, and I'm going to do the same. Um, so the first thing that he's kind of been challenging me with is what if the stones didn't work, um, referring to the David and Goliath story. Um, and the second one is a word from the Lord is only good if you do something with it. Um so we're going to be kind of navigating through those two things, um, and we'll see what this turns into. I, I don't feel that excited about this one, but I do like the two words the Lord's been speaking to me. So let's let's see what it goes to. So First Samuel 17, and I'm just going to read through 31 through 48, and this is the David and Goliath story. And it reads, When the words that David spoke were heard, they repeated them before Saul, and he sent for him. And David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with the Philistine. And Saul said to David, You will not be able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for you are but a youth, and, and has been a man of war from his youth. But David said to Saul, Your servant used to keep sheep for his father, and... And, and there came a lion or a bear and, and took a lamb from the flock. I went after him and struck him and delivered it out of his mouth. And if he rose against me, I caught him by his beard and struck him and killed him. Your servant has struck both down both lions and bears, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them, for he has defied the armies of the living God. And David said... The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord will be with you. Then Saul covered David with his armor. He put a helmet of bronze on his head and clothed him with a coat of mail. And David strapped his sword over his armor. Then he tried in vain to go, for he had not tested him. Then David said to Saul, I cannot Go with these, for I have not tested them. But David put them off. So David put them off, then took his staff in his hand, and chose five smooth stones from the brook and put them in his in his shepherd's pouch. His sling was his in, was in his hand, and he approached the Philistine. And the Philistine moved forward and came near to David, with his shield bearer in front of him. And when the Philistine looked and saw David, he disdained him, for he was but a youth, ruddy and handsome in appearance. And the Philistine said to David, Am I a dog that you have come to me with sticks? <laughs> it's pretty funny. And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. The Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I will give, and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. Then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword, and with a spear, and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, who have defied, or who you have defied, sorry. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike strike you down and cut off your head, and I will give, and I will give the dead bodies of the hosts of the Philistines this day to the birds of the air, and to the wild beasts of the earth, uh, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. 
and that all of his assembly may know that the Lord saves not with the sword or the spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into, my, into our hand. When the Philistine arose and came and drew near to meet David, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet the Philistine. And David put his hand in the bag and took out a stone and slung it and struck the Philistine in his forehead. And the stone sank in his forehead and he fell on his face to the ground. So, pretty crazy. I mean, that's a... We can't wrap our heads around that because that doesn't make any sense. This beast of a man who's coming at this young kid, David, and takes him out with a stone. But it got me thinking of like what what would happen or, or how how would have history changed if the stone didn't work? If David shot this stone and it hit the Philistine in his forehead and Goliath just looked at him and was like, what was that supposed to do? And and asked him, did you really think that would work, you you moron? Um, and I, I and I'd even asked the question of did did David even care if that was the case? Because um, David, David, I mean, we know that he had a he had a heart after God's, and I mean, he had just bold faith and and bold trust, and really wasn't a pansy. And I mean, that's that's convicting in itself. I mean, would you trust such a crazy word from God? Um, essentially, say, hey, David, I want you to grab five stones. But you only need one, and then I want you to challenge the beast of a man and grab this stone and shoot it, and I'll take care of the rest. And that's that's insane. Um, and a word from the Lord is only good if you do something with it. And and what if David thought uh, that that must just be my imagination? I just want to be this big man. I don't want to be looked down upon as this youth anymore. I, I want to prove myself as a man um, and want to do more than just run errands for my brothers who are actually doing all the work in the battle or apparent, or supposed to be doing all the work in the battle and just said it was his imagination and blew it off. Um, or said, no way, uh, that, that must be for somebody else. Um, that word from the Lord must be for somebody else and um, I think a lot of times we do that with sermons that we hear. It's just like, oh, who can I tell this? Who can I tell this to um, to assist? And um, but what is the Lord trying to tell you? Um, we're blowing it off because we don't think we're strong enough, or we don't think we're qualified enough, or or whatever the case may be. Um, sometimes a word from the Lord is so so out there we can't even believe it, and. Uh, we almost turn into cowards because we, because we don't have that strong of faith to even believe, believe it in the first place. Um, and I blame that word coward for a lot of the problems in the American church these days. It's just the church is full of cowards and pansies, and and the church has almost got to a place of logic and reasoning, um, and business, and only believing stuff we can wrap our heads around. Um, and you can't wrap your head around taking a slingshot to a beast of a man when you're a however old youth of David he was and thinking you're going to kill the guy and put him on your sword. 
um, and chop off his head and all these things. It's just you can't wrap your head around that. And it's like, where did God say, I will only put put you in um, situations where you're comfortable and that you can comprehend, that you can put your logic around? Um, I don't think that's anywhere. And he calls us to faith, which is uncomfortable a lot. Um, it's very uncomfortable. I mean, if you're if you are if you're a devoted Christian, you know that that it's going to make you uncomfortable a lot of times. I mean, it might even call you to start a crazy ministry that is very unique, or or whatever the case may be. But it, it I mean, it makes it, it turns a Christian into a coward when we try to start putting our logic onto it and it turns our faith into cowardly and um, it got me thinking of what does God say about cowards and uh, if we look at Revelation which is the man's book if you will every every middle school boy wants to talk about Revelation because it's just <clears throat> it's in your face um, but Revelation 21 uh, verse 8 um, this is a lot. This is going to be this 21 verse 8. It says, But as for you, the cowardly, the faithfulness, and the destable, as for murderers and sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. That's pretty straight to the point. Um, cowards. <laughs> cowards are not not good um, and the definition of a coward is a person who lacks the courage to to do or endure um, anything um, dangerous things unpleasant things um, uncomfortable things um, it's living in fear being a coward is living in fear and and always second-guessing um, things that the Lord is saying whether it's for you or or whatever the case may be and, and it pays me to see where the American culture and where the American church has ended up and I mean sorry if I offend you but actually I'm not that sorry because it's it's full the American church is full of cowards it's full of just pansies of of the faith and um, we live in a time of spoon-fed news and spoon-fed spoon Christianity and it and it sucks I mean, it's not the way it should be. And and we see the growing churches in our communities that are all just, we buy the Smokemaster 5000 and um, and all the lights we can get. And um, we, we've turned churches into self-help books. And look how pretty our social media is. And this is the place for you <laughs> kind of stuff. And it's just like, that's not the way this is supposed to be. And when things get tough, what happens? I mean, we turn straight into cowards. And and do you like being described as a coward? I mean, I don't like being described as a coward. That's that's not a descriptor any anyone should want, let alone a, a guy. I mean, and I can relate to that the most. It's just I don't ever want to be referred to as a coward. Um, and a coward's portion and what a coward gets is is a lake of fire and that's terrifying you know and if you know me at all i hate water and so lakes means water um 
and the only thing I want fire around is my meat on a grill. Only for a few minutes, though, so a lake of fire sounds terrible because there's nothing worse than, a, a, like, something filled with water and, and then, like, if you're around fire too much, your meat gets overcooked, and that's not anything you want to be part of. That's awful. It's disgusting. It sounds terrible, and that's my own logic, trying to reason what a lake of fire means. It sounds terrible to me. I hate water. Hate overcooked meat. Okay, whatever. Anyways, um, the whole point of this, I mean, is what kind of faith do you have? Do we have faith like David? And where, I mean, where all of our logic flies out the window and we think we can take down a giant with a, with a smooth stone? I mean, it wasn't even jagged. The story would be even more, like, believable, <laughs> almost, if I can use that word, if the stone was at least jagged and had sharp edges. Because then it would like, maybe pierce some skin. But this was a smooth stone that came from a slingshot. And it, it, it all got me thinking of, what were other studs in the Bible? Um, who were other studs in the Bible who just were not cowards at all? Who weren't, um, who weren't pansies, if you will. And I mean, my mind immediately goes to the disciples, um, especially post post Jesus's resurrection. Um, everyone against was against them, and they and they still pressed on, and they still they still went after things, um, went after things of the of of the kingdom. And and then another another guy who doesn't get talked about enough is Stephen. Um, mm-hmm in Acts 7 this guy was a stud of the faith and let me turn there real quick Acts 7 I don't think it's 7 yeah it is speech the stoning yes okay Acts 7 54 through 60 and it said and this is after he just gave the a, a huge speech and I mean and then it all comes to this uh, the stoning of Stephen and it says now when when they heard these things they were enraged and they ground their teeth at him but he full of the Holy Spirit gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God and he said behold I see the heavens opened and the son of man standing at the right hand of God but they cried out with a loud voice and said, and stopped their ears and rushed together at him. Then they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witness, witnesses laid down their, their garments at the feet of the young man's young... Oh my gosh. And the witnesses laid down their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. And as they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a Lord, with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against me. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. I mean, nothing was stopping the guy. The guy was getting the crap beat out of him, and he was unstoppable. Nothing was stopping him. He was a dynamic force in the Acts church. And you know, some churches are pretty stoppable these days. It wouldn't take much to stop a church these days. We've got fake Christians running around and 
and making making really Jesus look like an idiot <laughs> and making him look like he didn't do he didn't die for anything and didn't do anything for us and I mean we we live in a in a culture where the churches are all just so stoppable the senior pastor leaves and the the numbers crunch and they fall apart and and it's not a good place that we're living in and I would even go to go as far to say as if Jesus had a church today in 2017, it would probably be suffering. And I mean, I would even take it a step further and say some of the churches that we have today would probably be more full than at Jesus's church. You know, because Jesus, um, Jesus doesn't just preach encouraging messages. <laughs> and he's not just preaching his own self-help book and his own... Um, his own seven mile miracle book if you will and just making himself famous he he gets to the root of things and he he preaches in a different way and and we'll get to that in a second but church has turned into more of a spectator sport anymore and and it's almost attenders show up and ask how can i be entertained today and then they give their their donation and tie to a church uh, because they were entertained, and it's almost like they were buying a concert ticket um, to go see their favorite band. And churches in 2017 are are spoon feeding their atten uh, their attenders, uh, so they don't have to really think at all. And that's that's I mean, look at the way Jesus taught. I mean, he taught in such a weird way, and we call them parables. And it's like <laughs> it's. Imagine walking into a church service and there's Jesus and he goes, a farmer with some seeds, he throws it, he throws it on a path and the birds ate it so there was no fruit. He throws it on a rock and it grew fast, uh, but it didn't have depth so it died fast. Uh, the thorns, uh, he threw some seeds in the thorns and the plant grew but it didn't produce anything because the thorns choked it out. And then uh, the farmer threw some on the, go on the good soil, it produced much grain. Those who have ears... To hear, let them hear. Have a good week. You're dismissed. Like, if I was there, it would be super confusing. <laughs> you know? It's only not confusing because we have um, we have the writings of the Bible. But, man, if I was in a church service and the pastor got up and spoke in that way, I would be like, what the heck? I'm never going back here. I didn't get anything. I didn't get anything out of this message. How is the, the church is supposed to be fueling my faith, right? Or, or look at this one. I mean, this is when Jesus had huge crowds gathered. And he got up and said, You are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? Those who have ears hear, let them hear. It's like, what? And you're dismissed. It's done. The service is over. That's the message. It's not a three-point sermon, or it's not a three-point sermon. Doesn't require us. I mean, that requires us to think in a dynamic way. I mean, and it requires us to say more than "Oh, that's good" in our services, like we hear all the time. "Oh, that's good, Pastor." I'm even guilty of that. It's hilarious. "Oh, that's good." That I mean, those kinds of messages require us to let the Holy Spirit move in our minds. Because without the Holy Spirit, that doesn't make any sense. You know, you could go up to somebody in the mall and say, "Hey, 
you're the salt of the earth and what uh, what if the salt loses its saltiness what does it do it's like man i don't know what the heck this guy's talking about get away from me okay so with all that said we we all have to do a better job of not just being cowards and fearful of what people think and and being willing to take a risk you see if we're so if we're so afraid of stepping out of our comfort zone um, we choose between letting letting God down and miss or missing out on an opportunity that God is calling us to and that's my biggest fear I, I, I say this all the time it's my biggest fear to miss out on something the Lord is speaking to me uh, because I'm too preoccupied with what I'm trying to do for the Lord <laughs> and he's not even backing it I always want to I don't I don't ever want to be passed by by the Lord because I'm too occupied with my own life that I'm not even helping him out with the kingdom work that needs to be happening on earth. It's my my biggest fear. It's not being tuned into the Lord's voice enough and missing out on an opportunity that he's calling me to. If David didn't take the risk um, and sling that stone, he would have probably just been a shepherd the rest of his life. I mean, David advanced into this dynamic character into the Bible, wrote most of the Psalms, um, but if he didn't step out, I mean... I mean, this is all what if, but he probably wouldn't have written most of the Psalms. He probably wouldn't have been so high up in the governing powers of of that time. And he would have just been a shepherd talking to sheep all day, and, and that's it. Um, what if we were to do the same? We, we hear a word from the Lord and we think, oh, it's... That's just my imagination, or uh, that's for somebody else, and we just pass by it. What opportunity are we missing out on our future just because we're not willing to act now um, and and act on the opportunities today? A, a word from the Lord is only good if we do something with it. If we don't do anything, we are comfortable, and, and as Christians, we are never called to be comfortable. Um, and if you're comfortable as a Christian, man, you better figure it out <laughs> you better get get uncomfortable uh, because that's a really good place to be do you think Stephen was comfortable when he was getting killed I mean his probably only comfort is because he had eyes to see into heaven and he could see Jesus that's amazing it's yeah, just incredible what, what, what would it look like if Christians were doing just what God was telling us to without any preconceived notions or opinions or anything, but just listening to the voice of God. And what would our churches turn into? What would our cities turn into? What would our state turn into? And on and on and on. What if that was, what if that was our Sunday gatherings instead of just flashing lights and a catchy, a catchy phrase every once in a while in a sermon? But empowered, empowered Christians, that would be sweet. Our churches would go from stoppable to unstoppable pretty quick if we were just if we were just listening to what the Lord was speaking. Where churches aren't just trying to sell people to join or or convincing people to join. I, I mean, I've been I've been church hunting for a while, and man, I I, I don't blame people for not going to church anymore. Um, as bad as that sounds, and as bad as that is the 
put in a sermon. I don't blame them. Everything is just like, oh, we're an awesome church, and you would love to be a part of us, and we're going to pull on your emotions as much as we can just so you'll come. And it's just like, what have we come to? Why can't we just get to the heart of things and say, hey, uh, this is what the Lord's calling us to, um, and uh, he's calling you to something. Let's all figure it out together instead of just like, okay, who has the coolest website? Um, who has the coolest social media? Uh, who has the prettiest people? <laughs> it's, it's just silly. I don't know how we've gotten to this point. But if we got rid of all that, what would it come to? I mean, what if we just got back to the root of what church is and, and, and how it was laid out in Scripture? of just seeking after God's heart and seeking after what the Lord wants us to do. That would be gorgeous, be beautiful. We would we would be unstoppable uh, getting our, our priorities back and and just doing what he's called us to. Christians, we have to get our priorities straight back get our priorities straight um and back to what God said from the beginning to Adam, and it was just a simple listen to me. You know, I mean, all we have to do is just listen to him. We're better off if we listen to him. A word from the Lord is only good if we do something about it. So I guess my challenge for the end of this is, what's the Lord saying to you? And are you willing to take the risk? I mean, David took the risk and pulled back a little stone and knocked down a giant. What's the risk that the Lord's calling you to take that's going to progress you into something greater to advance his kingdom greater? Not for your glory, but for his glory. A word from the Lord is only good if we do something with it. There you go.